Headliner Radio, the creative voice. Hello and welcome to Headliner Radio, where we're delighted to be joined by the brilliant Craig Charles. Um, Craig, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, how are you and uh, whereabouts are you joining us from? I'm really good. I'm joining you, unfortunately, from the back of a cab, <laughs> um, <laughs> leaving Media City on my way to Cheshire. Uh, I've just finished the radio show. Brilliant. Well, and, um, and yeah, just all just uh, just um, going home to chill out and do nothing tonight. Lovely. Well, thanks so much for um, for finding some time to to have a chat with us today. Um, now, we're going to have a chat about Glastonbury. Um, obviously, it's the fiftieth anniversary of the festival this year, and um, I understand you and, of course, the wider BBC Radio stable have uh, you know some all manner of programmes and shows planned to mark that anniversary. So, so first of all, I was wondering if you could just tell us what you'll be doing around Glastonbury this year. Well, um, unfortunately, I won't be doing my uh, Friday show from Glastonbury, the one till fourth show from Glastonbury, because that's when I play Shangri-La. Mm. And we have done for, for many years. And for a lot of people, that's kind of like the kick-off of Glastonbury. Friday, one o'clock, I do a epic four-hour set, and then we have a couple of bands as well, and stuff like that. We do it at Shangri-La, which used to be like a nighttime event, uh, Shangri-La. But um, they open it up especially for us on a Friday, and it's, it's got so popular now. I think the last time we played it before the pandemic, they phoned me up and said people couldn't get within a quarter of a mile of the stage. So um, so it's, it's sort of quite popular. Uh, but we'll be broadcasting uh, everything about Glastonbury from the minute the doors open. So Wednesday and Thursday, it'll be sort of like um, look at the uh, behind the scenes at Glastonbury, you know, uh, playing bands, wall-to-wall bands who've either played Glastonbury or are playing Glastonbury this year. So it's all going to be sort of Glastonbury themed. And, you know, well, hopefully we're going to be going, to be, uh, going to be going behind the scenes as well, uh, you know, talking to people who put up the stages, talking to the people who've got the concession stands, talking to the, you know, going to the, green fields and the health fields and the healing fields and and just um you know you know people that keep glassing go and talk to them people who install the toilet yeah uh, people that have to empty them you know oh, i wouldn't want that job um <laughs> you, you must have been really really bad in a former life to have to do that job. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah so it's just all going to be glassy themed it's like a um, I know the BBC goes heavy on Glastonbury, but it is one of the most significant cultural events in British history. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And the fact that it's the 50th anniversary, it, 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 you have to go big on it, don't you? Really? Of course. I mean, we'll, we'll we'll come to the to the anniversary and and this year um, in a little bit more detail in a moment. But I was I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your sort of personal you know kind of memories and highlights of, of Glastonbury down the years going back to you know when you very first went or even became aware of the festival you know what can, can you tell us a little bit about that what was your what's, what's your earliest memory of Glastonbury well I first played Glastonbury as a comedian in the comedy tent on the Red Wedge comedy tour there was me a comedy act called Skid Video uh, a guy called Mark My Words um I turned the stockbroker, and we played the comedy uh, comedy tent as a part of the Red Wedge Comedy Tour. Red Wedge was a an organisation set up by Paul Weller and Billy Bragg to give their socialist um, their performers a platform during the sort of the kind of Thatcher years, the year of the 
of the of the of the print riot and the year of the you know the miners' strike and all that kind of stuff. Mm. So we do fundraisers for them. So I first played it as a, as a stand-up poet, uh, but then I went back uh, when I started doing my DJing. It's a long time now, but we used to uh, originally we'd play the dance stage. Uh, they had a thing called uh, Cube Henge, mm. and um, and we'd play Cube Henge and we'd stay behind the back of the dance village. But the dance—I mean, I don't want to sound like an old fart—but the dance village. It goes on all night. And when you're at the back of the stage, all you hear is the boom, 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 yeah. boom, boom, boom of the speakers all night. You can't get a moment <laughs> skip, even if you wanted to. Yeah. And um, and uh, so we kind of moved from there eventually. Uh, a great memory of playing the, the dance village, though, is when I put on my Funk and Soul show on a Saturday night on 6, I put together a fantasy funk band uh, with people like James Taylor from the James Taylor Courtois. Quartet on Hammond, Eddie Roberts from the New Mass Sounds on guitar, the Haggis Horns, Ian McCone on bass, uh, Mick Tolbert on keys uh, from the Style Council, and um, I got the audience to vote who their favourite drummer was, bass player, Hammond player, blah blah blah. And then I phoned them all up and said, "Do you want to be in a band?" And they all said, "Yes." Wow! And Fancy Funk Band played, uh, headlined the dance tent uh, one night in the dance village, and that was just an awesome personal moment for me. Yeah, that um, must have been incredible. Yeah, there's been so many highlights of Glastonbury. Though. I mean, I, I remember seeing Bowie at Glastonbury. I thought he was absolutely stunning. Mm-hmm. I like to go down to the West Hole stage because you know I like, I like, uh, I like you know I like the golden era of Black American music. You know, so watching yeah. people like, um, watching people like Sheik and Public Enemy and uh, Bobby Womack on the uh, West Hole stage have all been kind of awesome really yeah uh, but I like Naughty Glastonbury as well if I'm honest you know so uh, Lost Vegas and Block 9 and Shangri-La that's where we all head every night and then there's like no sleep yeah till bedtime, you know till way past bedtime shall I say yeah. and um, I, I, we used to uh, stay in this field and we'd have hay bales all around but it was all Joe Strummer's lot mm. you know so I'd be hanging out with Joe Strummer and uh, Keith Allen and Damien Hirst and all the wives and girlfriends. I saw Beth actually walk through a fire once. We had a campfire <laughs> in the middle of it. I saw Beth actually walk through a, a fire once and not get burned. Wow. And I just, how did you do that? <laughs> well, there must have been um, some great stories from, from those nights. <laughs> there must have been some great stories from those nights. Yeah, they were crazy nights, man. And just like the level of conversation and the wit from those, uh, you know, from Joe and Damien and Keith Allen, people like that, they're all very clever. You've got to be on, you've got to bring your A games to have banter with those guys. It was, uh, they were truly special moments for me, you know. Um, the Glastonbury is like one of those things, you know, there's a, as well, to be honest, so much that I can't remember. And there's sometimes I've been to Glastonbury and not seen one band. Yeah. <laughs> because, Sometimes it's not just about the, the music, you know. It's about the socialising. It's about the culture. It's about it's a there's a lot a lot more going on, you know. And I love some of the bars, some of the backstage bars, and things like that, where you see these acts that you know that you don't even, don't even know are playing. They're not even on the bill in some places, and they're just fantastic, you know. It's such a it's such a it's such a brilliant spirit, and it's so big now. The site you just miss so much. That's, I think that's why the BBC is. Is really good because there's so much going on and so much clashes. 
and you know it's the size of Colchester now. Mm. So, so you know something's going on the other end of of the site, and and you know you can't, you can't be bothered to go and see it. Well, the BBC are there to like to cover that for you. So it's getting home after Glastonbury and then putting on the iPlayer and BBC Two, BBC Four, Six Music, and then. Um, and watching what they covered and seeing all the things that um, that you actually missed as well. So once the festival, the weekend's over, it takes you a good couple of weeks to catch up with what's actually gone on. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean absolutely. I was, I've always found it incredible with Glastonbury how you know you just spoke about how how much it's grown. The, the sheer scale of it is quite unbelievable. Yeah, it still yeah. kind of maintains that sense of being a really special festival you know th- you know there are so many festivals these days which you know is a, is a great thing you know as much live music as possible is is something to be celebrated but it it seems to have grown enormously over the decades and you know the the, the level of artists that are, you know particularly on the pyramid stage you're getting huge a-list pop acts and and people like that coming to it but it still has that, that sense of strangeness and that kind of unique identity that you just don't really get with other sort of mainstream mass appeal festivals. How do you think it's managed to maintain the kind of mystique and the allure of, of a, of a really special event and not just become a a kind of big corporate event like a lot of other festivals have become really? I think it's because it has maintained its kind of sort of naughty side as well. It hasn't gone too corporate. I've gone corporate in places and they probably need that, you know, because I'm sure it costs an awful lot of money to put mm. their glass and on. But they have left places like Shangri-La and Las Vegas and uh, Block Nine, and you know, uh, you know, places at the other end of the field. They've they've kind of sort of left them alone. I mean, one of my greatest memories is me playing Arcadia in, in the mouth of that massive spider, yeah. and um, and the fire uh, flamethrowers just spewing out these flames. I think the records are going to melt, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it was so hot there. But um, there was an awful lot of creativity from the set design um, to, you know, the building of these massive machines. Um, they've still got that sort of wild side, which I suppose Glastonbury, if Glastonbury loses that, then I think you've lost the essence of Glastonbury. I think, so I think they've done well to keep that, maintain it. So mm-hmm. you have got the corporate side, you have got, the business side of it, but you've also got the wild, carefree, hippie side. Yeah. Um, and, and long may that continue, you know, because mm-hmm. that is the spirit for me, the essence of Glastonbury. Yeah. You know, I camp, I don't, you know, I don't go and stay in a hotel and come on site every day. I, uh, up until recently, um, I used to camp in a tent, not in one of the fancy tents. We just bring our own tent and pitch up. But now that I've, I do all this DJ and I've got my own little uh, camper van, you know, so, uh, which means I can actually do it in a camper van now. So I think I've been a bit posh. Yeah. <laughs> it's even got an awning. Wow. The, uh, the, the camper van. <laughs> Very called, nice. The, yeah, the camper van is called the Age of Aquarius. And that's the awning of the Age of Aquarius. <laughs> Very nice. It was worth it for the joke. <laughs> 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 I mean, I, there was there's something you mentioned sort of uh, uh, earlier on about when you very first did the festival, um, and you were doing uh, the the comedy tent. Mm-hmm. Uh, how how does the comedy element of the festival sort of you know fit into the 
to the rest of it? Did it feel like, even though you were there doing comedy, you were still doing Glastonbury? Did you get that Glastonbury experience from that? And how much are you aware of, of how that has grown and developed over the years? Because, you know, we, we think of Glastonbury, the you think about the essence of Glastonbury, the music, the kind of hippie elements, there's all the strangeness and weirdness, but I don't think comedy necessarily is one of the things that people immediately think of when, when they think of Glastonbury. How, how big a part of the, the festival was it when you did it, and, and has that changed much since then? Well, I, I've not been back to the sort of comedy Ted bit, uh, apart from, <coughs> excuse me, apart from I went to, uh, I went to John Cooper Clark play there, uh, the one before last and John Cooper Clark was brilliant by the way um, but I mean it was a full tent you know I mean it was a big tent and it was full and there's a lot of spoken word stuff going on at Glastonbury these days it's not, it's not just about music you know there's a there's a, a lot of spoken word there's even you know there's lots of magicians there's jugglers there's guys on unicycles circus acts it's uh, I mean it's it's the whole sort of performance arts really mm. I think Glastonbury represents the whole of the performance arts I mean obviously it's heavily reliant on music but um, I've, you know I've seen some I've seen unicyclists I've seen guys driving unicycles on wires yeah. uh, across a tent and things like that you know like things that you don't normally get to see unless you go to the big top you know yeah I mean with this year being the 50th anniversary I know that you said that you, you won't be there doing your, your regular show on the Friday, but whether it's, you know, through the iPlayer or the, you know, various strands of BBC's coverage, what are you particularly looking forward to, um, to, to seeing and, and hearing this year? I, I, I just, I'm looking forward to the whole celebration of it, really. I mean, I love the heritage stage. You know, um, I, I tried to see Dolly Parton once, but I could only get to within about a half a mile of where Dolly yeah. was singing. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, so I'm looking forward to seeing what Diana Ross brings, to be honest. Because, mm. um, I mean, nostalgia sells, doesn't it? And um, and so I like to see the, the nostalgia. And um, I, I, a lot of the stuff, I, I don't really often go to the, sort of like, the, you know, the pyramid stage and stuff like that. Um, I, I go to the more sort of eclectic events. So I'm looking forward to to like loads of craziness really and, and, and discovering things that are new to me so I'm not you know I'm not always the one I mean I went to see New Order when um, everyone else went to see oh I do even New Order playing like an opposite now but I went to see New Order when the, everyone else had gone to the main stage to watch someone else do you know what I mean yeah. and, you know, I, I, I try and look for things that are, are a bit less mainstream for me a bit more left field a bit more I don't know, uh, a bit more experimental and a bit more risky, you know? Yeah. I mean, are there any p- performances from down the years, any particular sets that, you know, if, if you had to choose one favourite or, you know, a, a couple of favourites that, that really stand out as being absolutely, you know, jaw-droppingly brilliant performances? Well, I know I'd there's probably hundreds, ba- but... There's all hundreds. I mean, I thought Bowie was stand out I went to see a private secret by Killers mm. and Brandon was on fire I mean I tell you that, that, that was that Killers gig a little secret gig that he did was absolutely stupendous uh, Public Enemy tore the place apart on the West Hole stage thought that was brilliant um, I thought the Stones were quite good actually um, when I saw the Stones 
uh, they were better than I thought they were going to be. Um, one thing that doesn't annoy me about Glastonbury is, you know, when you watch it on the tell, you know, all those flags now that they've started to wave, they block out the picture most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> so it's terrible when you're in the crowd and you're stuck behind a person waving a flag, I tell you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, there's so many standout moments that uh, that, um, that really do just sort of like blow your mind away. As again, I, again, I'll, I will stress that I've probably seen, um, I've probably forgotten more gigs than I remember. Yeah, uh, because 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 of the state of play. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I mean. Yeah, there's obviously so much going on this year. It looks like there'll be it'll be a really special one. Particularly the 50th anniversary would always be a great one, anyway. But I think with you know with the two years we've had to wait for it, it should be um, it should be a really spectacular one. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, just lastly, uh, what Glastonbury aside, uh, what else do you have coming up on uh, on, on Radio Two? Is is it uh, any, anything in addition to the usual show? Is there anything coming up that you you can tell us about? Uh, yeah, not really. I mean, we're doing all the glass and the coverage. I'm on one till four, five days a week, and then I'm on uh, six till nine on a Saturday. So I'm on radio six days a week, really. Um, uh, plus, I'm fitting in filming the gadget show as well. And I do a, uh, I'm doing, I do a, a game show called Moneybag mm. on um, on Channel Four, which just got nominated for a BAFTA, didn't win it. Oh, congratulations! But, like, yeah, we, we we didn't win it. We got we lost out to the chase, but it was the first series, so it's quite nice that that, that got recognised. So I'm filming a bit more of that. I'm playing so many festivals this year, DJing. You know, mm. I'm, I mean tonight, tomorrow night, I'm, I'm playing Bearded Theory. Sunday at the Margate Margate weekend there, um, and then it just rolls on. Now the summer just gets extremely busy. Yeah. That's why I've just been away. Because I can't go away in the summer, I can't go away at Christmas because they're the really busy times mm. for a DJ. So I just went to Sri Lanka and flew into a revolution. Started wow. a revolution while I was there. Wow. So I arrive at Sri Lanka and then they burn the president's house down, burn all these politicians' house down, uh, throw all their cars into the sea and into lakes and stuff like that. So there's, a, there's a curfew at 2 p.m. Shoot on site policy if you see it outside after 2 p.m. Soldiers in the streets, roadblocks, and that was my relaxing holiday. Blimey. I was going to say, I can't imagine that would have been too much of a, a, a peaceful retreat for you then. <laughs> uh, I mean, the thing about it was, I only went there to relax, so we just didn't, you know, we didn't leave where we were staying. Yeah. But it was on the beach, so it was quite cool. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, still, what a time to, uh, to, to arrive there, though. <laughs> it's all about timing. <laughs> <laughs> well. Once again, thanks so much for joining us, Craig. Really appreciate it, and um, you know, look forward to, uh, to hopefully chatting again soon. But but yeah, thanks so much, and uh, and all the best. Good luck with it all, mate. Thank you. Cheers, Craig. Bye. Cheers. Bye bye. Headliner Radio, supporting the creative community.